EFTM Tech Cars Lifestyle This is the EFTM Podcast with Trevor Long EFTM Well, thank you for listening. Great to have your company once again on the EFTM Podcast. And uh, if you're new here for the first time, then uh, welcome. This is a show about technology. Uh, it is a show where I help people with their technology questions. So if you've got a technology question, all you've got to do is get in touch. It's very, very easy. Um, you can go to the website, eftm.com, and you click on Ask Trev. Right at the top or in the menu, Ask Trev, and I will get back to you. I record on a Tuesday morning. If you get a, if you get a phone call from a private number, it's probably me, and we're going to have a chat about technology. And that's what you're going to hear right now on the EFTM podcast, all things technology, questions about everything from soundbars to Wi-Fi to VPNs, uh, lots of questions. Plus, a couple of great things I want to talk about today. I want to talk with MasterCard about digital um, security. Uh, digital payments are on the rise, contactless payments, cashless society, and there's a security risk there. So um, we're going to talk to MasterCard, and they've got a bunch of really great, simple tips which can help you stay safe when you're shopping online uh, using contactless payments. So uh, really, really interesting chat there. Plus, I'm going to talk to Volkswagen. Now, Volkswagen's most um, biggest dealer, should I say, or the dealer that has earned the most revenue, the dealer that has sold the most dollars worth of cars. I don't know what the metric is, but their biggest dealer right now is the internet. Volkswagen has made a huge change in uh, in the COVID world um, for uh, the launch of the beautiful uh, Cali, and uh, they've sold very well, and it's all thanks to uh, going online. So what is the future for car dealers online? How has it evolved? Um, all of that uh, coming up in my chat with Volkswagen here on the EFTM podcast. If you've got a question, go to the website, EFTM.com. Got a question about tech, just go to the website, EFTM.com. I'll try and help you out as best I can. G'day, Joe. Hi, Trevor. What can I do for you? Trevor, I'm looking to upgrade my laptop. Um, I want something that is small and light, so it's portable, but still have the power and memory and battery life and everything of a full PC, as as close as possible, I guess. Also, I will be doing some graphics, um, be running an online business, so to speak, and need um, to have several pages open at a time, and I believe 16 gigabyte is what... I need for that. Yep. What sort of what's, when you say graphics, what 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 level of graphics do you think you'd be doing? Um, it'll be more viewing, I would assume. Okay, but you yeah, won't be doing you won't be making videos or anything like that. I may make some videos just right. for the online store, but nothing major. But yeah. And what have you got now? Like, what is your what is your benchmark? What are we working from? Oh well, I've got a, a Kiribook, a Toshiba Kiribook, which has been great. Yeah. But um, you know, it's ten years old now, yeah. and um, yeah, I want to upgrade that. I have a small Microsoft Surface Go yeah. for you know just real portability. Yeah. What do you think of that? What do you what do you think of that? Just as a device? Oh, it's great. Comparison, okay. And oh, really good. Yeah. Do you have a budget in mind? Not really. Um, I guess I need to look at what's best and work from there. So, look, I think that your your minimum budget is going to be around two grand. Okay. Right. What I want you to get is I want you to get an Intel Core i seven processor. Mm-hmm. So that's the brains of the computer. Yes. I, I agree. I think you need a sixteen gigabytes of RAM. 
So mm. those, those two things together are going to give mm. you the snappy performance, the reliability, and the longevity too. Mm-hmm. That, that'll make sure that this is a device that lasts you um, longer than one that costs a thousand. Because yes. uh, one that costs a thousand will work for years, but it mm-hmm. will slow down. It won't feel like it won't keep up with the advances that happen in internet and technology and things. Right. Um, I'll, I'll give you two ends of the spectrum, um, and these mm-hmm. are JB Hi-Fi, but there'll be similar models er- everywhere. Lenovo have a thing called the Lenovo Yoga. I love the Lenovo brand. I've loved the Lenovo Yoga because it's that kind of touchscreen, flip around. It can be everything. But forget all those fancy flip around things. It's actually just a really nice, really well-built laptop. Um, The one I'm looking at right now is about 2,200. It has Mm the i7. It has the Mm -hmm. 16 gig of RAM. And it has one terabyte of Mm -hmm. what we call SSD storage. Now, that means... Mm -hmm. It's not a spinning disk. It's like a uh, like micro SD card. It's just a little hard bit of storage, which means yes. it is going to be snappy as heck. It's really like really going to perform quite well. And if you compare that to up the tree a little bit, a Microsoft mm-hmm. Surface laptop, similar to what mm-hmm. you've got now, but it's the laptop form, at twenty six forty nine, you're going to mm-hmm. get that i seven processor. You're going to get that sixteen gig of RAM, but you're only going to get two hundred fifty six gig of storage. Mm-hmm. So what I would do is I'd, I'd want you to look at those two in a store, a Lenovo mm-hmm. Yoga um, and this one, the C740, but just, just think Lenovo Yoga and and with those same specs, the, the i7 and the 16 gig of RAM. And I think you need to go into a store and feel them. Go to Harvey's, go to JB's, go to Officeworks yes. because that lightweight nature is is going to it's going to burden you if, you if you end up with one that's not. Yes. The Surface Laptop is without question lightweight. Um, I think yep. you'll find the Lenovo is an excellent uh, lightweight product as well. Mm-hmm. You might you might struggle to find stock of it. I'm not sure. Oh, right. um, these things might need shopping around. There's one. There's another Lenovo Yoga which is just slightly cheaper. It just has 512 gig hard drive, which is still right. massive. Like, yeah. it's a lot of space to be honest on on a laptop, especially if you've got a little portable hard drive you're going to keep for your important documents. Yes. Yeah, I think the Lenovo Yoga is a very lightweight, good portable device. And mm-hmm. I don't think you'd be disappointed with it. Okay, great. Now, what is the actual code for this one that has the you mentioned? The, 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 first, the first one was the C740, Lenovo Yoga C740. Right. And the second one was the Lenovo Yoga S730. Lenovo actually have a pretty good online store. Um, right. As much as I love the retailers, um, they often have good specials there. And also, you, you're pretty much getting a, a, a direct insight into stock because right. you know, if they've got it, they'll sell it. Yeah. Right. Um, so you have and as far as um, uh, technical um, follow-up and support, they're good? Excellent. Yep, absolutely. And, and remember, most of the time you're dealing with Windows as your main technical issue. Mm-hmm. Um, don't buy an extended <coughs> warranty because you are covered by Australian consumer law for many mm-hmm. years. Um, mm-hmm. So don't be kind of suckered into that. You don't need mm-hmm. an extended warranty. Um, uh, yeah, Lenovo have a great support base. Um, I can even see their website, the number on their website as, as I go to it. So right. yeah, I, I have a lot of confidence in them uh, for, for the purpose that you're talking about. So, yeah, I think that would be a great outcome for you. Thank you, Trevor. That's brilliant. My Thanks pleasure, so much. Happy shopping. Let me know what you end up buying. I will. Thanks a lot, Trevor. Good Bye-bye. Then. And if you've got a question like Joe, just go to the website, eftm.com. Trevor along with you, taking your calls. If you've got a question, go to the website, eftm.com. G'day, Nick. Hi, Trev. Thanks for taking my call. No worries, buddy. What's happening? Look, um, currently I have a, um, an LG OLED TV, which I love. Oh, you lucky model. duck. 
Oh, 65 inches. It's, it's beautiful. Oh, it? um, but I also have it paired at the moment with a Bose 700 soundbar and matching sub. Oh, yeah, okay, nice. That's going to so, yeah. sound and look good. You're ticking a lot of boxes. So, so far, so good. Um, but I'm wanting to improve my cinematic experience in terms of better surround sound for movies, and I'm currently torn between whether or not I look at adding the rears for the bows. You can get the matching um, rears, wireless rears for that. Yep. Um, or whether or not I look at upgrading to, say, the something like the Sonos Arc, which has the Dolby Atmos, and get the matching sub. But I but not the rear. So I probably can't afford to spend, what, what would that be, sort of near two and a half grand yeah. on something like that versus, say, I think it's about 400 or 500 just to get the rear subs for the 700. So I'm just torn whether or not I would see a noticeable difference between just adding the rears versus investing in something like a at- Atmos soundbar. Wow, that is a very ta- challenging problem to have. So <laughs> it let's, is. Let's think through it, right? Adding rears changes everything if you watch a lot of movies. Yeah, yep. there's no doubt in my mind. Oh, it's just such a great experience to hear sound properly, and I say properly from the back. Yep. Um, whether it's a Samsung, an LG, a, a JBL, a Sonos, um, virtual rears are yep. very good in in a good room, like in a small room that's well, um, like I guess. I guess symmetry, like you've got the TV in the middle of the room and it's, it's done yeah. well. The best soundbars will um, do a little test and they'll actually configure themselves properly. I, I would argue nothing beats a proper rear, though, and I don't think anyone right. would suggest to you that uh, a five point one or a seven point two, any sort of soundbar is single soundbar is going to be as good as having rears. So yeah. if you've got the space for the rears, the power for the rears, then my my initial reaction is get the rears. Um, yeah, okay. But th- there's one other thing I need to say. You're going to get money for your 700 if you sold it, right? It's worth money. There's, there's yep. no doubt in my mind. The Sonos Arc with sub, I mean, how important is bass to you, actually? Uh, look, uh, look I'm not thought, into super thought, bassy have things. Have you thought about the Sonos Arc with rears and not bass? Well, no, I just because I think you read so many reviews about, you know, the soundbar always needing a sub. Um, so I've, that's kind of lens I've applied. I've always had a sub to go that goes yeah. with it because it seems to be such an important part of the experience. Yep. But I have read your reviews, I think, on it, and a few others which talk about the sub or the, the basis built into the Sonos Arc is it's is pretty good. good. Like it's very yeah. good. Um, I, I would before you do anything, I want you to experience it. You have to go to some store that will play you the Arc without a sub. Yeah, oh, it's good. It's good base. Um, and then the rears are ridiculous. Like the the five point one of the Sonos, on the five sorry the five point zero yes of the Sonos from the bar is excellent, but its ability to compromise that and then add the rears is I think better than Bose. Yeah. Um. But the cost wise, it does blow out big big time cost wise. So if if you like the sound of the Sonos Arc and the bass it gives alone, then I'm go, I'm yeah. I'm pushing you to the Sonos ecosystem. Okay. Um, but. At the same time, it's a simple, easy purchase for the rears, um, and it will change everything about you. I haven't helped at all, have I? Jesus. <laughs> well, this is – I, I, I found it actually really hard to get a clear answer on, like, it, it, people do seem to – you know, when I've kind of been into a few forums, people oscillate. 
some people kind of, you know, um, the Atmos provides us, you know, the virtual Atmos is fantastic and you can get, you can add this, the, the Sonos later in terms of the rears later if you want to, you yeah. know, so yeah. that's also part of the appeal if I don't want to fork out that much up front. Um, and then I also happened to be on Bose's website the other day and I noticed they've got the normal rears, which they sell for 450 I think, but there was a hyperlink that went to some, I think they're called 700 rears. I'm assuming they might be releasing later, but it didn't actually go to anywhere on their oh, website except right. in the US. So oh. I don't know if that was kind of giving something away. But anyway, so it's been one of those ones where I'm just really torn um, because, you know, I want a great sound experience. Um, the, I've got some of the other Sonos products uh, in the house, and they're, they're a great product, so I really enjoyed them. You've got other Sonos? Yes, yeah. What, uh, yeah. what, what generation? How old are they? Uh, the, um, the Sonos 3, and I've got a uh, Sonos 1. So, so, they're, so this, they're in the new generation? You, you're they're in the, the newer new generation. App. Mate. Uh, I, you know, I've got it downloaded, yeah. Yep. Your decision is made. Get the Sonos. Right, Okay. Because I'll do that. then you, it's it's more than just see this is more than just about the TV and the soundbar, the yeah. Sonos. You know what I I actually how here's how I would do it, even though obviously there's a bargaining chip potentially with buying everything together, um, but most retailers aren't discounting Sonos stuff. But just check that out yeah. first. Go and buy the Arc, right? Yeah. Put it in, and I reckon you'll sit back and go, "Holy crap, that's awesome!" And then you'll say to yourself, "Do I re- what do I want more? Do I want rears or do I want bass?" And yeah. and then your your next purchase is one of those two things, but you don't have to get it all at once. I think yeah. you'll find the Sonos Arc is that good that you will be impressed enough with it. Because also then there's the ecosystem thing of playing your music through it when you're not watching TV and stuff like yeah. that. And adding the rears is probably what I would do before I would add the sub. I, I honestly right, okay. I, I disconnected the sub here because I plugged something else into the PowerPoint. Yeah, and I, I forgot it wasn't plugged in for a while. No. Until I think I went to test the bass on something. Oh, okay. Not because I'm a big bass guy. To be clear, I don't, I'm not a massive bass fan, so it didn't, yeah. didn't bother me, but because the rears are so amazing. So there, yeah, that's okay. what I would add first. And you've already got that's already the Sonos ecosystem. See, you've got two competing ecosystems there. Get out of one of them, sell your bows for 400 bucks or whatever yeah. you can get for it, and put that towards the, the second thing, whether it's the sub or the rears for the Sonos. Yeah. Okay, well, that's a good tip. Thank you. It's good to get to be able to have a conversation about it because it's, it's quite uh, overwhelming is a strong word, and it's been hard to find the Sonos Arc anywhere to actually even hear it. Oh, it's pretty, really? Uh, yeah, yeah. I've been to a few JBs, so so that's also been part of the, the challenge. So, uh, you know, I'll, I'll wait a little while until it comes out if I can actually walk into hopefully somewhere retail. Well, I feel like I should – I've taken it down. I've got the Harman card on the moment, but I feel like I should put it back up and you should come here and listen to it because it's that good. Like, it's just – Right, yeah. <laughs> the reviews are fantastic on it. I've not seen a bad review, and 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 it's 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 bloody hard for me to make a recommendation too because it's your life and your money. But here, you know what? I, I really, really, the most important thing is you're talking about two of the greatest sound brands that exist. Yeah, you're not going to be disappointed with whichever yep. decision you make. You are not going to be disappointed. You are, and just don't look over your shoulder, though, mate. Don't stop reading yeah. reviews. Okay, <laughs> whatever you do, yep. stop reading other things because you're only going to push yourself one way or the other. Because all of us have some sort of cognitive bias. We all have some. But there's something in us all about our reviews, let alone anything else. That's why you need to read so many before you get a true understanding of the the pros and cons of any one thing. But you yep. know, you're not going to be disappointed. It's not like you're saying, "Should I get a, I don't know, a Kogan versus a Sonos?" I mean, mate, we're not even talking. That's stupid. Can't yeah. make a good two point yeah. one soundbar, but it's not a Sonos. So you're talking about yeah. Bose versus Sonos, mate. Just enjoy. 
Fantastic. That's that's actually really helpful to be able to chat through it. So thanks for that, Trevor. Right, I appreciate mate. that. Enjoy. Happy shopping. Chat to you later. All right, mate. Thanks. And if you've got a question like Nick, lucky bugger, OLED TV, buying a new soundbar, um, go to the website, EFTM.com. I'm happy to be a virtual shopper for you. EFTM. This is the EFTM Podcast. EFTM Podcast. While I like to be uh, an optimist, I am fully aware of the of the drama around the world and here in Australia around COVID-19, and I don't take away from that in any way, shape or form, but I look at the situation that we've been faced with over the last few months, and I think it's a, it's a staggering reality check as to how quickly we've been able to adapt. Um, I've talked about how amazing our internet has been in coping with this challenge, um, but we've also got some, some real challenges for businesses whose day-to-day is is face-to-face uh, and is dealing with people, whether it's my mum's pub, uh, which has had to have radical changes, uh, or whether it's the car industry. And I don't think a lot of people have thought a lot about the car industry. People that know me know that I bought a car and picked it up two days before lockdown. And that didn't go well for me because it meant we had to lock the car in a garage for three months before we could drive it anywhere. But um, the new car industry still exists and it has had to face this challenge head on. And I think it's fascinating to look at how the industry is evolving and, and, and pushing to work alongside this pandemic situation and and a classic example of that is Volkswagen and Nick Reed, the marketing manager for Volkswagen joins me on the line to talk about those things. G'day Nick. G'day, how are you mate? Yeah, real good. I mean, no no one saw this coming, obviously, that's that's a given, but a lot of change has had to occur in, in your industry um, to, to cope with this change and, and one of the big changes has been simply moving online. You know, websites for car companies have always been a huge like when I was a kid you'd go to the dealer to get a brochure and you'd you'd lord over the brochure it was awesome and now we go to a website but the website is ever more important because you're essentially literally a car dealer now online yeah we are and I think the the transition was always I suppose in the back of everybody's mind in this business that that there was going to be this transition Mm. to online sales because really we've watched it happen to all of the major industries around us so the, the idea was always there and, and car companies have always dabbled in it and, and there's been some you know, success, um, but there's never been a really long sustained success. And, there has, and, and I don't think really there's any desire in our business to totally move away and, and there's absolutely, well, I can say there's absolutely no desire to move away from the current sales model. Dealers are very important because we always know, and it's it's quite often documented or said that cars are, you know, the second biggest investment that you Absolutely. make in the household. So, um, you know, you just don't buy something for twenty, thirty, fifty, a hundred thousand dollars online, sight unseen. Yeah. yeah. So really, it's it's really about mixing the old with the new, and how can we make the online experience more cohesive with what people expect in other industries? So. I mean, it's a, it's a fascinating one that we could delve into great detail on, but just at the top line, um, how does it work? Because you you have a process where essentially I can just buy a car online. I think I'll pay a $500 deposit. And do, do I have any need to interact with the dealer in this situation or is it simply uh, the pickup of the car? How, how does that work? Now, there's still a need to interact with the dealer. Uh, because a lot of the time, there's a couple of different ways that we've made buying online possible. Uh, because, you know, we're a, we're a well-renowned um, European-German car company. Yep. 
a lot of the time when you're you're ordering a car online, you're ordering it from the factory. Yeah. So if you, especially if you're after a more bespoke product, mm-hmm. uh, it may not be in stock. So you know the lead times, um, you know, are up to six months, uh, depending on what you exactly want. So that process then requires a lot of care, um, and 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 also the, the, the all the benefit of a deal, what a dealership can offer as well. And also, when you're buying a car, it's not that simple. You kind of, especially in the com- the part of the business that I work in, which is the commercial side of the business, so that's vans and utes, is that you not necessarily just drive the vehicle out of the showroom. You want to customize it. Yeah. So you need the dealer to talk to you about covers and racking and different tire choices and so on. So, yeah. so yeah, the dealer plays a, a really important role still in the whole process. So is it then an evolution of the website essentially from being the brochure to being uh, an interface to, to the to the dealer in, in a greater way than it ever was? Because I feel like, as I said, when I was a kid, you get a brochure that was as close as you got to, to seeing a car. Um, now we've got these amazing websites where I still, I still think it's amazing that you can click on any car and see it in multiple colours and they're not photos. It's somehow. I just think that's amazing technology. <laughs> but, but the the interaction with the dealer then becomes. Uh, I guess it's like a lead into your local dealer that says, "Well, look, I want this car. I'm going to have this car. Um, here's the here's the right people to talk to. Is it that? Is it pushing me towards the the right local dealer for me? Yeah. So what it does is when you first log on, it'll it'll ask you for postcode. Yep. And then from there, you can select your your local dealer. Uh, and that's a really important part because we still want to give. Um, customers that local experience uh and and this is so this is when you're ordering a new car yep so um as i mentioned there was a couple of different ways so there's also we have a stock locator so you can actually search so for instance if you're after a car here now and that you want one you know in, in the next week or so you can have a look what's on the ground and that necessarily doesn't mean that you're going to find it at your local dealer right you may have to go um you know outside of your what we call PMA, um, your prime market area, and into even another state to find exactly what you want. Yeah, right. So that's another way of doing it. Well, the, the, the one that we've really, I suppose, um, we, we started this process was, was the order online process, which is more about, as you mentioned before, you can go on and configure your car the way you want it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you're talking about a van, so we talk about our crafter van, it has hundreds and hundreds of different configurations. We've got wheelbase lengths, we've got roof heights, we've got engines and transmissions, and we've got uh, safety, um, we've got comfort, all those option packs that mean that really chances are if you want something exactly to your specifications, it's not going to be here. Yeah. So that's the kind of the technology piece that sits behind, as you mentioned, about creating that car on a virtual world, delivering them that, that product with a price and then starting that sales ownership journey from that point onwards. And and I think the the best example of that is the limited edition California Beach Camper. You know, uh, a, a car that or a vehicle that yeah, you could put one in a couple of dealers, but the hype around it was so big that really you just needed an online presence to be able to, to be able to funnel those those interested buyers to go. You know what? We want one, and I believe it sold out in in literally hours. Exactly right. So we we've been planning this launch for years really and 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 a car like the california beach has been on the radar of not just us but also the enthusiasts out there for for years and um we we tried and tried to get that vehicle finally we managed to convince the factory to make a specification that suited our market and our laws yeah. and we 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 set that in play kind of 
early early last year, really. The idea, it became pretty obvious that the traditional sales model wouldn't work for that car mm. because it was highly customizable. But also, it's a, it's a really interesting story, the car itself. It, it starts off in the main factory where it gets built with all the other vehicles and then it gets shipped off to a secondary factory where it's where it's built more like a traditional old-school old vehicle by by what they call coach builders. Right, because it, it, it's, it it's, it's a camper van. It's, it's not, yeah, it's it's not about going, I, I want, you know, second row to be two seats and third row to be three. This is about saying, no, no, I want a little a sink. I want the I want the cupboard behind that seat. I mean, it's a literal piece of uh, coach work. And, and you're right, it is old school, isn't it? So it's fascinating that it, that it leaves the factory floor as essentially, you know, the, the, the van and then goes to a second factory to be customised. And also, isn't that then part of the online experience of saying, now I, even though I've ordered it through this dealer in that location, that they've become my local or whatever it might be, I now can get updates via an online process, can't I, of where it's at and how it's, how it's in, the, in the build and delivery process. Yeah, exactly. So we have a, what we call a, a journey that, that starts from that moment that you click the, um, click the, I suppose, the purchase button mm. uh, and put your deposit down. So we go on a journey. We'll keep you up to date with where the vehicle's at. Also, with the, with the California, we're making sure that we, we make those customers feel really special because they've invested, uh, you know, somewhere around the six-figure mark yeah. for the car. And so we, we're going to make sure that they, they – um, they have an amazing experience. So there'll be you know gifts with purchase that get sent out along the way for key milestones. So so look, it's it's it has that car was always in our mind to be sold online because we we where where online works and, and I'm a firm believer where it really works with the automotive space is when there's something special. Yep. So it's either a limited run of cars. Mm-hmm. Um, or it's urgency that drives it. Yep. So, and we had both those elements with this car. So we had. And I think we I had. Think the, sorry to interrupt, but the, this the problem that you can have with a dealership network, as great as it is, is if there's ten thousand people want something, and they all turn up at nine o'clock. Who was first? Who was third? Who was one hundred thousandth? Um, because there's only a limited number, and, and there's always going to be that debate. Whereas online gives you that real um, funneling process as uh, an overall brand, doesn't it? Yeah, it's, and that that is exactly right. And we also we have one hundred and three dealers, yeah. so we we we're hoping to get two hundred, hundred and fifty, two hundred Californias a year. Uh, I'd say ninety percent of our dealers will want a demonstrator, yeah. so they want to buy one, put it on their stock, so they can show their customers, let them drive it, let them experience it. Mm-hmm. By the time we do that, we'll be uh, in the first couple of months of next year before a customer's going to see a car. Yeah. So we realised the traditional sales model wasn't going to work. So yeah, that that was the, the the strength of the product, which and then aligned it with our online strategy. It does. Um it is a, a tribute to the strength of the brand, though, is it not, that you can have such such success online? Because I I often argue to people that it's fascinating to me that people buy cars and don't test drive them. Um, and, you know, I don't need to mention brands, but it's it, I see someone driving around in a little hatchback, and I go, did you test drive that? Um, they go, no, I just, you know, it was, it was the one I always had. I just got the next model. And I'm like, you don't realise what else is in the market. You don't, you don't see what else is out there. And so... For someone to put their faith in a, in a brand like Volkswagen is is a real you know it's a, it's a real sign off uh, for you as a brand is it not? Yeah, it is. It is, and I think we, we we're privileged. Um, I feel privileged to work be working on a product like this because no other 
no other vehicle, I believe, in the automotive space or very limited amount of vehicles have the same emotional um, connection with our customers yeah. as, as something like a, what we call the California Beach because you got to think about that. That vehicle is really just a descendant of the original what we call the Type 2 or the, the, the T1 yeah. um, camper van which, or, or even just the Combi, yeah. which, which really started our brand back in 1950. So, you know, to the heritage that comes with that product, the there's no other product, I believe, in the market that, that really has the same emotional connection to, but, to almost anybody. Yeah, but, but yeah. I think also you mentioned the kind of limited or special style of vehicle. I know you deal in, in commercial, but you can see then a kind of model where you're um, – you know, you have a, a range of vehicles and it's like, yeah, sure, there can be a bunch of golfs in showrooms, but, you know, if you want a Type R, um, that's the kind of thing that it's a limited run. There's not a lot of people going to want that. So um, that that can be the online model. You can you can actually split the, the model range up through the different mechanisms of sale that you have um, because, sure, a base-level Golf or base-level Amarok um, could be at dealers, but there might be a special edition come through that, you know, your, your hardcore tradie who loves his Amarok but looking for an upgrade um, may well be happy just to click that button and, and begin that process. Yeah, exactly. And and when when you have a product that has heritage that is well known, it's, it's easier for people, I think, to click that button because you know what you're going to buy when you get a Golf. Yeah. Yep. You know, the qualities of a Golf, the quality, and, and, and let's extend Amarok. You know, we're, we're a reasonably young player in the market. Sure. We've built well, up you've a. You've quickly established a market there, and I think you, you just have to drive the streets and see. You know the, the the tradies that love and have their you can you can tell someone loves their car if they're a tradie because they've spent time and money on it, you know they've actually gone to the effort of essentially customising it. You don't do that to a car you don't love. Um, exactly, and I think that's a, that has now become a hugely hugely important part of our business, and also a huge segment within within the automotive industry in Australia. What what also I think has led to the success of the. Of the um of the Cali launch that we we did is the timing. I mean, it probably you probably think, well, launching a car in the middle of <laughs> um, a pandemic's never going to be great. <laughs> yeah. um, but but one thing that everybody's talking about right now is domestic tourism. Yep, road trips. Uh, road trips, know. right? Staying within your state, um, supporting regional communities, and really, there's no no better segment. And Australia is actually the, the numbers that sit behind domestic tourism in the caravanning industry in Australia is actually quite astonishing. Mm. It's, it's actually worth $21 billion to the economy, just caravanning in its own right. And there's something like 50 or well, 59 million nights per year wow. are spent in um, caravanning parks. I think you need and, to get more um, Cali's, mate. So we need more, and that's right. Uh, we, but then the, you know, we're not just the, the, there are so there is a lot of choice out there. There's a towable market with, with sure. the, the likes of Jayco and New Age. Yep. You know, they, they, they are huge. That's huge right. You've got the Amarok for that. And exactly, we've got the Amarok for that, and that's still, I think, the the the, the where the volume is in the market. But what we're seeing is the the RVs, uh, the camper vans are starting to take off. Yeah. And and that's partly because the, there are less compromise, and and that's I suppose the you don't have to t- store it somewhere, uh, and with the likes of the Cali, you can actually use it Monday to Friday, mm. pick the kids up from school, uh, as a normal car. There's no real compromise from day to day through to the weekend away. And just finally, the the dealer network. Um 
you know, car dealers uh, are stuck in their ways, shall I say. Uh, is it is it something they've got on board with, the, the move to online, because they, they understand that you as a brand are simply trying to generate more sales and, and their role in the, in the process is... It's changed. It's changing. It, it's more of a you know hand holding and a touchy feely than a than a negotiation these days, is it not? Yeah, it is. And, and the dealers have got on board with it a little bit. Some of them are pretty nervous to start off with, but now they know that we're not we're not here to replace them mm. with with an online sales model. It's really there to supplement their business. It's a way of us creating impact and driving that desirability and awareness for our product. They are still involved 100% in, in the process yeah. and are key to making sure that the customer experience is top-notch. Because so that, that, they're on board. The dealer model is the distributed model. It's not like Volkswagen could suddenly just start shipping cars to people. That's, as a dealer, the thing you need to understand. But I think the best dealers in the future will will understand their role in the car buying process better than the other one. And um, that'll where we'll see, see dealership shine, not just Volkswagen to Volkswagen, but brand to brand. Um, because I think this this shift to online is, is critical that it, that it has to be from that moment of search um, when I click on, you know, the particular car and I get that build your own experience, you know, it needs to feel like I'm, I'm in the dealer working with them and customizing it. But instead I'm sitting with my wife and customizing the car and then being handheld all the way through the process. It can be done perfectly. And it seems that you're doing a, a very good job of that right now. So, um, I think, I think the best stat that you've got, and I'm sure you've, uh, you, you've bandied around a lot is I believe the, uh, the online uh, process is Volkswagen's biggest dealer, probably because of the Cali, right? Well, yeah. Well, the Cali, you know, we we sold thirty one cars in um, in nine hours, all all that excess of ninety thousand dollars. So, yeah. you know that that's you know it blew us away. Uh, but you know when we when we look at the heritage and the product offering, you know we shouldn't be too surprised. But um, yeah, exactly right. So we, we're never going to replace our network. It's a supplement to them. And this just allows us to be smarter as well, I think, in just making sure that we satisfy customers and give them what they want. Yeah. It's a fascinating yeah. story. And, and in the midst of a, a global pandemic, you've been able to launch a car to overwhelming success and I think create a model that um, that will last a very long time and, and will shift and, and I think grow the sales process. And you know, hopefully the the car market in Australia picks up and continues to pick up as people get their consumer confidence back, which I do think is is very close to happening. I think that once we get through the worst of it, which is really happening now, um, I think consumer confidence will come back. And I personally think that in having a, a nice new car to take a road trip on, there's nothing better, nothing at all. Yeah, it's going to be great to see these these Callies on the road, you know, in, in in the community along with the classic old combis that are out there and, and just continuing that legacy and and you know it's 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 really great that we'll be able to to take an iconic product and 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 use it as a tool to move our business forward so it's really exciting times look forward to seeing it on the road nick uh thanks for your time mate thanks trevor EFTM. this is the eftm podcast eftm podcast Got a question about tech? Hit me up on the website. Just go to the website, eftm.com. Click Ask Trev. That's what Sue did. G'day, Sue. Good morning. How are you? Very well. How can I help you? Good, good. Um, I belong to an organisation who is in big need. We have a Seagate hard drive, mm. and 
the person who was backing up all our gear and doing our secretary and treasurer work on it has passed away and we do not have a password. We have no way of getting into it. So I just wondered if there is a way of bypassing the password so we can get to our data. And I'm assuming it is it's obviously a password on the drive or is it on the data? Like how does it how does it I don't to we you? we have no idea we cannot get into it at all. We just cannot but it, access. But it does ask for a password at some point. I, I don't know. I right. don't know. I'm yeah. I'm speaking on behalf of the secretary. She had yeah. said that you know she just cannot get in. It's just a, a piece of equipment that we have no access to. You know, I think the challenge here is that password protection on hard drives was created for security. You know, for for privacy yep. of the data. And so yep. that's right. It, I I would argue I don't think there's a, there's going to be a way to get into it uh, unless you're willing to go to great expense. I've got no doubt there's some business some somewhere that can crack the code if you like. Yeah. But yes. Okay. To, to what price are you willing to pay? I think that's, that's the right. first thing you need to decide as a committee. Are we prepared to spend three hundred dollars or are we prepared mm. to spend three thousand dollars? Because you know for three hundred dollars you might get a, a great. Um, uh, security or, or just IT professional who can come look at the drive, do some diagnostics and determine what's recoverable and what's not. But they may yeah. come up with nothing, basically. The yeah. the issue is that if you want to absolutely extract the data, it would it would essentially cost a lot of money. And I I, I think it's it's more likely that the value of the data is less than the cost of getting it off, Sue. I'm I'm mm. sorry to say. Mm. The only the only thing I can do, um, because you did email me with the model number and things, and uh, it might be worthwhile if I I, mean, I don't know anyone at Seagate directly, but I know their PR company, so I can at least ask the question, um, and maybe we can ask that. But I just want to say to you very clearly, I don't like our hopes. Yeah, it's, no, it's more likely well, that they're going to say no nah, than than let's give them a call. That's right, and and I think I sort of expected that would be the answer. Um, but um, the big thing I think out of all this is we've learnt a big lesson about yeah. if you are going to password something like this that you do need to somewhere have well, at least maybe one other person who knows how to get into it. Yeah, and I think so, that's yeah, a really it must good have been, conversation for yeah. the committee is to say, yeah, but, but that's I, right. I, what I would want you to do is not have anyone on the committee think that passwords are a bad thing for this reason, right? Um, yeah. In fact, um, more things should be password protected. Right, but yes. you need a process for the password protection, and that is certainly not a little black book kept in the committee room. Um, no, uh, but and I, I, to be honest, off the top of my head, I don't know what the best answer is. But I would argue that if I was sitting on the committee, I'd be like, okay, well, there should be three people every year: the treasurer, the president, and the chairperson, or whatever the style of the committee is, um, yep. should have access to the password. Um, yep. And what I would argue is the password, and People in security hate me saying this, Sue, but use one password for multiple things. So there's probably an email account for the committee. There's probably a Facebook account. There's, I don't know, whatever there is. What you yeah. should do is as an annual process of renewing the committee, even if the same three people get elected to the committee, those positions again, renew the password every year so that it's it's fresh, it's valid, and it's also front of mind so that every year it, it's a process of going and changing the, the 10 passwords. And you can have a whiteboard in the office that lists the things that, that are protected by password, just don't have the password written there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and yeah. here's my advice on passwords, Sue. Um, yep. Three words, 
a, le- a number and a character. Now, it sounds crazy, but I'm going I'm to sit here at my desk and I'm going to give you three words randomly, right? Lanyard, mm-hmm. lanyard, watch, blue tack. Blue tack's two words. But there's three things sitting in front of me. Those three things are completely unrelated. They would never be used in a sentence together. So lanyard, watch, blue tack together is a pretty strong and it's a very long password. Now all I need to do is let's capitalise one of the letters, but not the first letter of any of the words. Let's capitalise the A in lanyard and watch. And then let's throw in a hashtag between blue and tack, and let's put a number in them in between two words. And it sounds ridiculous, but when you, if you wrote this down with by hand three or four times, let alone mm. typing it three or four times, it becomes mm. what's the password? It's that lanyard watch blue tack one, and you'll remember where the hashtag <laughs> goes and the number is. And next year, it's something completely different. It's yeah. magazine clock button. You know what I mean? It's just yes. it's a nice, strong, secure three words, some capitals in there, a number and a hashtag or a, or a character, and yep. that, that password is strong, secure. It's known by those three people, and it's utilised in, in a couple of places. Not for your bank, not for your bank, but it's utilised no. in a couple of places that are regularly accessed by committee uh, personnel, and I think that's probably the approach to take long term. Yeah, well, I've been scribbling notes as you've been saying that, so that will go to our next committee meeting, and... That's fabulous ideas. I don't even use words like that, I must admit. Well, there you go. So you that's go a great it's, idea. It's, it's, a little, what I, it's what I call life admin, Sue. So you can now spend, mm. put in your diary for sometime next week or this week, half an hour. Yep. And you go yeah. in and you change your email password, you change your Facebook password, change a few important passwords and make them all strong like mm. that. Mm. Mm. Right. No, that, that's, that's excellent advice. I'm... <laughs> It, yeah, I, as I said, I use passwords for my own private stuff, yep. um, and they aren't like that. And that—that's a good one. I Change really, them. I really like that. Good on you, Sue. All right. Well, I'll try <laughs> all right, I try. All right. Well, thank you. Drive. Nah, that's all right. I, it's it is really a hard one, and it and it has left us in the loop big time. But yeah. mm, okay. The la- the well, last, I'll take the last thing I'd say, Sue, is move to the cloud. Trust the cloud. Yeah. Get a Dropbox account or a Google Drive account. And put, yep, all, put yep. all that stuff, all those files, all those documents in the cloud. Then they're they're protected from fire and theft, uh, and they're protected by that password. Mm. All right. Yep, that might be it. Yep. Okay. Big changes for exactly. a, an older sort of committee. Doesn't but matter. It'll You've save got us having the hassles. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Good oh, that's excellent. Thank you very much for um, giving us some help on that. My pleasure, Sue. And certainly giving us some hints. I appreciate it. No Thank you, Trevor. Thank you. And if you've got a question like Sue, just go to the website, eftm.com. This is the EFTM podcast. Look, just a quick shout out to Howie. Um, Howie's been a long term uh, listener, uh, follower, supporter, stalker, uh, multiple uh, descriptions one could give to him. Um, but uh, he actually is in the local area of the Thornley office uh, here at uh, EFTM. And I, um, I've been just throwing some products at him and he's been reviewing them. And the latest one is the Connect Smart Video Doorbell. It's the Connect Smart Home Range um, that Laser uh, have created that's available at Harvey Norman. And it's a $69 video doorbell. To be honest, thought it was going to be rubbish. And it's turned out it's not bloody bad. And I, I think his review is excellent in terms of just looking at a product that's $69. It's not meant to be compared to something that's 400 it's just, it's just a good, simple, quality product that does what it's meant to do. So um, check out that review at EFTM.com, which is where everything that uh, that comes across the desk that I choose to write about <laughs> yeah, is listed. Uh, another one worth pointing out there is the tablet and smartwatch combo uh, from TCL. Big W, $229 for a tablet and a smartwatch, right? 
perfect for kids, made for kids, kids games, kids apps, parental controls, smartwatch for keeping in touch, $229 for a watch and tablet. Big W. Check that one out. Uh, all that stuff is up at EFTM.com. Taking your calls, any tech question you've got, any other question you've got, I don't mind. G'day, Bill. Hey, g'day, Trevor. What can I do for you, buddy? Yeah, look, I've been interested in some extending the Wi-Fi through the house with a mesh system because yep. between myself, the wife, and the kids, well, there's devices galore. It's all happening. It is. And what, then what between inter- you and me, I'm going to try and keep up with the missus buying all the products as well. So oh, We shan't <laughs> speak publicly of such issues. <laughs> um, but no, so I'm in between us. Well, I think we've got you know, between some smart lights, phones, tablets, consoles, this, that, everything else. Yeah, it's Yeah. yeah. So what are you looking at? Well, do you know like what sort of? Give me an impression of the house: two story, one story, long. Story? Uh, single story, long four bedroom. Okay. And do you have a budget in mind? Um, I've been looking at. I've come having trouble finding them now. The three pack of the Orbi or the Linksys. Yeah, they are. So I think I'm looked, it's about the, it's about the six hundred dollar range I've been looking at. See, the thing is, you you're saying the triple pack. Are you thinking because it gives you more coverage? See the thing is the the two. Well, we've also got um, some. We've also got some of the outdoor Wi-Fi cameras as well. Ah, okay. So you do want to? I'm just. It's, yeah. not, it's not always the case that the triple pack actually yeah. gives you more coverage. It's just that um, it's it runs at a lower speed and frequency. So actually, sometimes you need a triple pack to cover the same distance as a two pack. Yeah. So it's uh, for for Orbi. Um, they keep changing the bloody names, but the Orbi Wi-Fi that's AC three thousand. And yep. it's $598. It's a two-pack. That'll cover your house, mate. Right, eh? If you get the RBK20, which is AC2200, it, it's slightly slower, slower speed, um, but yep. you wouldn't notice because you're, you're not using gigabit speeds. Um, yeah, and and, I mean, we're only on NBN50 at to the night anyway. It'll, so. it'll probably only cover the same distance. So, yeah, yeah I, I would argue that it, it depends. Because uh, your modem right at one end of the house, literally, it's in the oh, I suppose it's in the middle of the house, but it's in the kitchen because that's where the port is. Okay. We've only, got, we've only got the one port in the house, so. Yep. I'd be amazed if the the standard two pack, the the expensive standard two pack, uh, the five hundred ninety eight dollar Orbi wouldn't do what you need. Okay, that's yeah. The, so it, until you know recently, they they only had that one. Really, that was the one that I put in anywhere that anyone asked. So the thing is, you can also then, if the outdoor is an issue, you can then get a, like a single extra one. Like you can get yeah, the, well, I mean, the, the, the camera the system we've got, the you know, the camera system that we've got, the actual home basis for the cameras act as a Wi-Fi extender anyway. But, yeah, it's just making sure that it is, you know, flawless connectivity. That's the main thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, it's it's only extend, it's extending its own little network, though, isn't it? It's not Exactly, yeah. Network. Yeah, yeah, okay. So yeah. I, as long as that is near the, the Orbi or within a good range of the Orbi, you'll be fine, mate. Now, obviously, yeah. you know, if budget's not an issue, there is the new Orbi Wi-Fi 6 coming. It's ridiculously expensive at $13.99. But yeah, I've seen that on the JV website. So I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not. Yeah, that's it's some crazy future-proofing <laughs> you're doing there. That's that's a tough one to convince the wife that that was a required purchase. But Like I said, I'm playing catch-up on that. Between her buying some, you know, high-tech modifying, a high-tech stick rack and an automatic cat litter tray, I'm playing catch-up way behind. So. Automatic cat litter tray. Jeez, oh, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was all I dreamed of when I had cats fixed. 
that's, that's fantastic, but yeah. So uh, I, I don't have cats anymore, so all the good cat stuff comes out, and now all the good baby stuff comes out as well. My kids are all grown up. It's terrible. I've come at the worst. Yeah, that's on the, yeah how's, a, how's a five and two? And we've just missed all the... Yeah, miss all yeah. the cool baby tech. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, but trust me, in a couple of years, you'll be talking Wi-Fi 6. So if you, if you need a convincing, that is genuine future-proofing. But yeah. I have reliably and happily existed on the AC3000 Warby, Orby for, for years, and I don't think you'll have a problem with it. So, so go, right go, go the full full peg, get the, um, get the Orby Wi-Fi 6. It, it, sorry, get the Orby uh, Wi-Fi AC3000. 3000, I think they call it now. It used to be the RBK50 or something like that. In fact, I think the model name is still the RBK50. Challenge is yep. bloody well finding it, mate. It, it will be hard to find in stock. Yeah. When I was when I was starting to look at them, like there was plenty on the shelves, but the longer I've left it, the harder it is to actually physically find it. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's what happens when you stall. Yeah, well... I made the life still. Why not? The, the, the one, <laughs> just, just so you know, unless unless there's a good, you can find a bargain on it. The yeah. Orbi or the Orbi Pro um, is is actually actually what I've got at home. It's it's yep. exactly the same as the standard Orbi AC three thousand, except it looks slightly different, um, and it has a, a guest network on it, which is really cool. It's sort of business, but yes. it's also priced much higher. It's eight forty nine. But just in case you can find that and you can't find the other one, and you can do a deal, that would be just yep. just as good. All right, no worries. Thanks a lot. All right, buddy. Have a, have a good one. Thanks for getting in touch. And if you've got a question, that's where you go, EFTM.com. This is the EFTM podcast. EFTM. Well, in this new norm, um, a lot of things are literally the new norm. I think that's why we call it that. There's been this acceleration of change in society, in technology, and in the things we do. But with it does come a, a new set of risks as well. And one of those is cyber fraud, cyber intelligence, cyber issues, um, payment frauds. There's a whole range of things that are going on that we need to be actively aware of. I want to freak you out. I'm just trying to create a reality where we where we understand the things that change also create differences in the way we need to think about those changes. Um, and so I thought we'd talk about digital payments and online fraud and the different issues that might exist there. And to do that, I'm joined by the Vice President of Cyber Intelligence Solutions and Digital Identity at MasterCard. Malika Sathi, how are you? Really well, Trevor. How are you? I'm very well. It is an amazing period of change right now, putting aside, obviously, the health issues and risks. It, it's, it's, it's fundamentally a, a year of change for so many parts of technology, and payments are a big part of that. And obviously, MasterCard features extremely heavily in the payment space. You would be seeing a great escalation in our use of digital payment technology, but with that does come the risk of, of scams and, and fraud. Absolutely, Trevor. So what we're seeing since the start of the year, since the start of this pandemic, is a huge shift to digital payments. I mean, with storefronts now closed, you know, people are in lockdown, um, you know, the consumers are wanting services that, that they can consume easily, order online. We're ordering our groceries online. You know, we're talking to our, our doctors online with telemedicine. Mm. Um, you know, all of us are working from home. You know, we're using conferencing facilities, you know, day in, day out. And, of course, you know, watching lots of Netflix. So, yes, absolutely, there's a huge shift to digital. And, you know, I suppose payments is an inherent and important part of that. Um, and, and, you know, our view is that, you know, this isn't going to change. So, you know, um, shopping online is here to stay. 
Um, 30, 38% of consumers we survey think, um, you know, this is how they're going to engage with um, retailers in the future. And, and you, you did that survey and you looked at the, the payment habits of people. And the other one that I found fascinating because I've, I've been a, an advocate for um, tap and go cashless society for some time. Uh, I think it's uh, 71% of Aussies. This is not just global. 71% of Aussies believe contactless payments are here to stay. And I think that's a real kind of endorsement of the the payment mechanism, mechanisms we've created through uh, contactless um, society. But it's also uh, been just so heavily advanced by this pandemic, people thinking about touching cash and, and handing things over. It's, it's, it's absolutely the biggest way forward is contactless. Yeah, absolutely. And Australia is one of the leaders globally in terms of um, the implementation of contactless payments. Mm. You know, compared to even you know large markets like um, the US, so Australia has done great things with contactless. Yes, and in in this in this situation with the pandemic, um, retailers don't want to accept cash; they want touchless payments. So contactless has played a a very important role in in making sure that consumers feel you know safe and secure uh, in store. Um, you know, on occasion to go and pick up essentials and groceries. Mm. You know, they, they have the convenience of, of their contactless um, card or, or mobile wallet, which they can use in store. Um, and, and MasterCard has, you know, uh, responded to, to customer needs. You know, we, the contactless limit in Australia was a $100, but in response to, to the pandemic, um, we lifted that limit to $200 to make it easier for consumers to go into the shop less and expose themselves yeah. to, to, to the virus. So, you know, this was, we turned this around in, in a matter of days. So, you know, we've, we've done our best to, to, to help consumers um, in, in the ways that we can. And before we get to some great tips that you've got for people in thinking about this kind of brave new world, uh, we, we talk about Australia being a leader in, in this contactless world, um, especially ahead of America. We often think of America as this, you know, amazing advanced society, but actually when you go there and shop, you realise how far ahead we are. Does that put us ahead in terms of risks and scams? Like, do you see that Australia is not just a breeding ground, but, but there's, there's, there's a, a growth in that before anywhere else in the same way? So uh, the US and, um, and parts of Asia are still way ahead in terms of the, the fraud that's perpetrated. Okay. So, you know, the, the markets um, that are most commonly attacked. Yep. Um, I mean, it, the, we, we have some research that you know, globally the, the fraud numbers are huge. So in 2019, the losses from e-commerce fraud um, added up to about $25 billion. Wow. Um, and there are projections from a research um, house called Juniper that suggest that that'll double um, by 2024 to $50 billion. So there, there is a lot that we all of us need to do. I mean, MasterCard, of course, is working with banks. We work with businesses. We work with governments. Um, and, and we're looking at how we can um, offer a, a range of tools and solutions to make sure that we're we're knocking that number down. You know, that's that's yeah. a huge scary number. Uh, but there is a lot that we can do as individual consumers. You know, just awareness alone, you know, helps us uh, make sure that we're doing simple things when we're interacting uh, online and in in the digital domain. So, uh, in terms of giving average consumers advice on avoiding online scams and this kind of um, fraud that, that does exist in the digital world. Well, you've got you've got a bunch of tips. Let's run through them. Where, where do you start? 
Yes. Um, now, this is, this is uh, you know, I suppose an obvious one, but, you know, a lot of consumers are still not um, uh, sort of serious about password security. Mm. So, you know, the average consumer has something like 70 or 80 accounts. If you have a look at your, you know, the apps on your mobile device or, you know, websites you, you often log on to, um, you probably have a password for each one of those. And, you know, uh, it's human nature not to be able to remember that many different passwords. Um, but using, you know, it was, it's funny, Trevor, the um, most commonly used password is actually password. Yeah. Or, you know, people are taking the lazy option of still using 123456 or QWERTY. Um, so we're just, you know, we're making it easy for the hackers to access our accounts. Mm. So these are simple things that we can, we can change. You know, hackers, um, uh, 81% of the hacking that, that we see is through um, either weak passwords or stolen passwords because, you know, they've, you consumers have just not taken these simple precautions. So one of the, the, the first tip I have is, you know, focus on password security. It's not hard to create complex, unique passwords for, you know, some of your important accounts, your banking or other accounts where you've got your payment um, credentials stored. Um, so, yeah, make sure that you're, you know, you, you, you use a password manager. That's another tool that's yep. available. There are apps available where you can, you know, you can use a password manager and it's, it's not saved on your, on your phone in, in the notes, um, page, um, or, or just write it down and keep it in a secure yep. place at home. Yep. So, Excellent. you know, these are simple things we can do. Number two. Number two. So, um, you, you know, as us consumers, we, we really need to do some due diligence and know who we're dealing with when we're shopping online. So do some quick research, uh, check out the business, see if they're reliable and they're trusted. You know, Google um, offers some reviews on a lot of businesses. Yep. Check it out, see what consumers um, have said that have dealt with that business before. So in the same way um, that when you're downloading an app, you might read the reviews about whether or not it's good, bad or indifferent, you, you should do that about a business you're interacting with for the first time because you don't know their security levels, you don't know their, their trust levels. Uh, you might get some sense of their, uh, their business performance just from what people are saying, let alone what you find out online. Exactly right. And, um, you know, there's, there's scammers out there taking advantage of this COVID situation. So they're, they're you know, um, they're saying there's vaccines for sale for COVID, which, of course, there isn't as yet. Um, they're trying to sell masks and PPE for those in need. But, you know, they're fake stores. Mm. So make sure you check it out. You're not falling for a, for a scam. Um, you know, check out marketplaces like eBay rate their sellers. Yeah. So that's a you know good way to Excellent. to uh, make sure you're dealing with somebody reliable. Excellent tip. Three. Um, number three is multi-factor authentication. Now, that sounds like a, a scary scary uh, piece of jargon, yeah. but it, it really isn't. It's it's pretty it's pretty straightforward. So you know what it really means is it's multiple pieces of information about us. To verify our identity. So um, when you uh, when you uh, open a bank account, you know you your bank might ask you for another code to enter when you're making a, a large transfer or changing the limit on your account. Mm -hmm. So similarly, when you're shopping online, um, you might your your bank might prompt you, if, especially if it's a, a slightly um, a, a high value transaction. They might they might send you an SMS. And, and they'll ask you to enter that that code, that six-digit code, um, onto the retailer's website. So don't don't sort of freak out when you see a bank send you this SMS. 
they're just checking that it is really you that's entering into that transaction and they're keeping that transaction safe and secure. And it's um, a great way for you to be aware if someone has some way obtained your password or is trying to get through to your accounts, you'll get that message. And obviously you won't enter the password because it's not you and you can then take action to lock down and secure your accounts as you should. And you can use two-factor authentication in all parts of internet life from shopping to banking exactly. to, to social media as well. So, yeah, the use of multi-factor authentication is uh, is an absolute priority. I, I think some places should mandate it that, that it's a requirement um, for their own like businesses because it prevents them being placed at risk of fraud, um, but also just to protect their customers as well. So, yeah, great advice in that one. So, yes, passwords, research. And, and yep. I guess one other thing to add, I mean, you know, there's um, a lot of us are used to logging onto our device either using Face ID or our fingerprint. Yep. Yep. So we're quite, we're quite comfortable um, with that um, behaviour. Uh, we're using that same sort of technology for, to protect payments as well in the future. So... In the future, rather than having to enter this this code, your bank might prompt you for a fingerprint. Yeah. Um, so you know, it's adding that extra layer of security, and your fingerprint is very unique, or your facial biometric is unique to you. So you know, it's it's very hard for a hacker to try and commit fraud on your account because they don't have your fingerprint or your or your face. So we're we're looking at all of these new technologies to to look at securing um, digital transactions. Excellent, I love it. Um, number four, I feel like I feel like Dave Letterman doing a top ten. But there's six great tips, <laughs> and we want to we want to do them. Yes. So number four is watching out for scams. Uh, there is a, a really good website which is pretty informative for consumers to check out. Um, it's called Scam Watch, um, and you know since the pandemic. There have been, uh, you know, uh, over 3,000 scams, scams reported. And there's a lot of money, you know, more than $2 million lost just in, just during the outbreak. Mm. Um, in 2019, the scams cost uh, Aussies around $600 million, $634 million. Um, it's just crazy. So, you know, there's a simple thing we can do to prevent um, falling victim to, to scams. Um, we, we just have to be aware of unsolicited text messages, calls, and, you know, emails from uh, apparently reputable companies like banks, government agencies, and, and phone providers. It, it, it could be a, a fraudster uh, impersonating somebody from a, a reliable um, company. Yeah, keep an so eye. So if you get a... And you can sign up at the yeah. Scamwatch website. You can sign up to their email alerts. You can follow them on Twitter. You can get those alerts literally in your inbox so that you're aware of the scams that may not be affecting you, um, but it also helps to know about the scams for when you're at a dinner party or someone's talking about the thing they saw and you can say, oh, my goodness, you need to check that's not a scam. So you can be alert and aware of those things. So, yes, scam yeah. awareness is a, is a really critical thing. You know, SMS, if they could, you know, try and catch you out by phone. So never give them any of your details on the phone. Never give them um, card details or personal details uh, or internet banking details. Always check out um, where they're, they're calling from and ring the company directly. Yeah. Um, uh, the other thing to, to think about in terms of um, emails that you get from, you know, people that you don't know. Uh, don't click on anything. Don't download any attachments because fraudsters can uh, inject malware, so malicious software on your on your device um, to try and steal your details. So be really careful of that. Um, think twice about you know offers that seem too good to be true. You know you've <laughs> won this massive is. lottery. 
If it is, it is. Yeah. If it's too good to be true, it's too good to be true. That's why the, the phrase exists. Very, very That's right. good advice. Uh, number five? Um, protecting your identity. Okay. So I think there's um, there's about one in five people in Australia that, that have been victims of identity fraud, which is um, really sad. So, um, and, you know, this is costing, again, Australian consumers something like $2.2 billion, according to the AFP. And I think, Malika, one um, of the problems with identity fraud is people don't see what the risk is, okay? What, what does it matter if they know my birth date and my address and my name? Well, what it matters is they, right. they can they can manipulate your identity to, to apply for credit, apply for different loans. It could be any type of identity fraud, let alone using that information to target you with other scams. So that's why we kind of need to protect our identity like we would our own private password. It's, it's part of our personal identity for a reason. Absolutely. I mean, um, they they absolutely can use your photo from social media, impersonate you, take over some of your details, create accounts in your name, you know, change the the delivery address on on your profile and have goods shipped to them using stolen they credit card scam details. Scam your friends. They could they could create a fake profile that scams money out of your friends. So it's not just you that's at risk through identity fraud. It's your it's your very closest family and friends as well. Absolutely. So, you know, there's a, there's a lot we can do to, to make sure, you know, we've got a question. We've got to be mindful of what data we're sharing. Um, why does this retailer need to know my date of birth? What are they going to send me? Are they going to send me something in exchange? Um, so we, we really need to be privacy uh, uh, conscious and, and make sure that we stay in control. And, you know, MasterCard's doing a, a lot of work to bring some technologies to, to make sure that we're supporting consumers. We're scanning the dark web making sure that if, if, you know, I've spotted Trevor's details somewhere on the dark web, that we send you an alert mm. and make sure that um, you're aware of it and you can take some, you know, immediate action to, to try and protect your identity. Yeah, bank, banks, uh, credit card providers, everyone are doing a lot to actually help us behind the scenes that we don't know about. That's the kind of thing that MasterCard has teams of people uh, and computers that are working to actually help us and protect us that we don't kind of see. It's not a visual thing, but it is working in the background to make sure that we try and stay protected, but we still need to do our bit. And I think that's that's what we all need to remember is you can't just assume that, that someone's there looking out for you. Um, your sixth and final tip, Sixth and final tip. So uh, I guess um, one of the important things is use a digital wallet because secure digital wallets, you're not entering in card details online. Um, the, the wallet is secure. There's providers like, well, MasterCard has a digital wallet as well as um, companies like PayPal. Um, and, and make sure that, you know, the, your payment details are tokenized and encrypted mm. and it's exchanged with a merchant in a very secure way. Um yeah, on the odd occasion that something does go long, wrong, MasterCard offers some protection to the consumers. So consumers won't be um, held liable for unauthorized transactions. You know, we consumers need to notify their bank as soon as possible, um, and and you know, so that they can take the you know remediation um, next step. And I think one of the things, and, and you, you, know, men- you mentioned it quickly when you mentioned digital wallets, tokens. A lot of people don't realise, uh, Malika, that. A digital wallet is not just a place where your credit card number is stored and your credit card number is sent to the the online store or the merchant that you're tapping and going at. A digital wallet um, sends a secure, unique token for your transaction. It actually never shares your credit card details. So it is 
without question, the most secure way to make a digital payment. And it's not only convenient, but it's secure. There's this great, there's this great balance that, that it's a, a great convenient thing for consumers, but it is also the height of security for people. Exactly. You know, nobody really wants to enter their 16-digit card number and their expiry date and the code on the back every single time. So this is, it is a, a very convenient and secure way, absolutely. Well, I mean, they're, they're fantastic tips from someone who is at the, at the, I guess, at the front line of uh, cybersecurity and, and intelligence uh, working at MasterCard. And you see these things as, I guess it must be a bit scary every, every couple of days that you see the things that people are doing and the, and the risks that people take and also the scams that are occurring. Um, but it's the same in the real world. These, these things, criminals exist in the real world. They exist in the cyber world. Um, we just have to be grateful that people like you are working hard with big teams of people um, at a trusted brand like MasterCard, who we all rely on for these things and these payments. But in the background, there's there's work being done to keep us safe. And I think these are great tips for us to take on board for our own, um, the actions that we can take as individuals alongside what you're doing at MasterCard, Malika. Thank you so much, Trevor. It was um, a great to speak to your audience and have the opportunity to share some of these um these things that we work on in the day-to-day business. I will do my best to get those tips up on the website eftm.com and uh, obviously we appreciate your time and, uh, and thank you for sharing those tips with us. Have a great day. Got a question about technology, about cars, about TV, about lifestyle, whatever it is, uh, get in touch, go to the website eftm.com. G'day, Peter. G'day, Trev. How are you, buddy? Very good, thank you. Yourself? Yeah, really good, mate. What can I do for you? My question was in relation to VPN. I had an email from VPN um, saying that my privacy had been breached. Oh. Now, I don't know whether to act on it, to delete it, or what the go is. Should I continue with it? So the email was from the VPN provider? Well, it did say VPN provider, but it may not have been. Unfortunately, I deleted it. Well, are you, are you talking about your Hotmail account without giving the address? Yes. So yes. here's what I've done. I've just typed your Hotmail email address because you emailed me. Obviously, when you go to the website, you sent me an email. Yes. Um, I've typed into a great website called Have I Been Pawned? P-W-N-E-D, not P-A-W or anything like that. So ha- <laughs> have I been P-W-N-E-D, porned.com. Yes. It's actually run by an Aussie, uh, Troy Hunt. Okay. He's, a, he's a brilliant security researcher, and basically he trawls the dark web and looks for breaches. And you, your email address ha- is involved in two breaches, something called Dub yeah. Smash in 2018 and yes. Online Spambot in 2017. So it's, mate, when I put mine in, I get like hundreds of breaches. So I would argue you're doing pretty well and I don't think your email has been breached. But, you know, that's not to say other parts of your identity or, or ha- haven't been. So I'd like to say, you know, it's a hoax, but you should at the very least have some thought about what you should change as a result. Um, change some okay. passwords. Um, okay. You know, maybe look at a different VPN provider. Um, do you pay for that or is it free? I paid, mate. Shop around. Eleven dollars a month. Okay. Shoot, yeah. What? It, and why do you have a VPN? What do you use it for? Um, Netflix to watch movies in USA. Because some of the movies we don't get here. 
Oh, God. Is on, that on Netflix. What sort of movies? What was the last thing you watched that wasn't on here? Um, <laughs> um, do we not want to know? <laughs> no, 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 no. Jeez, um, I forgot now. But, but the we, library's better, we, basically, we, is what you're saying. Yeah, it's a yeah what we did here, it was only went up to 15 episodes, whereas there went up to 17. What, what show was that? Um... Jeez, I can't remember now. So sometimes the episode limited as well. What a pain in the ass. Yes, yes. I, I know what VPN provider you're talking about. I've done a bit of a search. I don't see any major issues online okay. reported about them. So okay. I don't have a, a – I'm not too stressed for you. And here's the other thing. Okay. You're just using it for Netflix, right? Like worst yes. case scenario, they get your Netflix password. I mean, you know. Okay. So I think, the, I think safety first, change your email password – um, yes. maybe change your VPN password if they've got one, maybe change your Netflix password. But otherwise, okay. relax. It's all good. Okay. But ever since I've had it, Trev, um, I get a message, an email that someone used my Spotify in Canada. I'm not even on Spotify. Oh, really? And the message is coming from the VPN provider again? That's correct. Yeah, they, I, I don't like the sound of it. Like it okay. It just sounds weird. Okay. Um, mate, I, I, you know, I, I, I don't use a VPN myself, but I hear it, see ads for them all the, all the bloody time. Uh, there, yes. there has to be other ones out there. Um, you, you're paying good money. Uh, maybe give yes. another one a try for a couple of months and see how you go. I will. I'll do that. All right, Thank buddy. You all right, have a good one and get back to American Chickas. Thank you very much. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Good on you. And uh, if you've got a question, go to eftm.com. And I rang Peter. He was watching American Pickers, and we were, we were fascinated because we did some googling while we were before before we recorded american pickers has been going for like 21 seasons like wow it's unbelievable to think that that show is is still going they're still going um it's just such it's such a great show they're, they're such a good relatable couple of blokes and i'm so excited that they're still doing it and i said to peter i said uh, they've lasted longer than american chopper did the American Chopper did come back, um, but I don't think it was for a long season. Or maybe, maybe I'm going to look it up right now. Hagrid's Wikipedia. Uh, American Chopper season twelve. They came back 2018, 2019. So um, in May, here we go. In May 2020, it was announced the TV special title American Chopper: The Last Ride will premiere in 2020. So I assume that means that's the end. Um, but yeah. I didn't mind American Chopper. It was kind of that first, I said to Peter, it was the first kind of cable TV show that I got really hooked on. Anyway, American Pickers, I think, is on 7, mate, as well, on free-to-air. So you don't need pay TV or anything like things. Uh, get in touch. Go to the website anytime you like. All right, thank you for listening. Uh, if you're in Melbourne, stay safe, folks. Uh, thinking of you down there, and hopefully we can get through this lockdown um, sooner rather than later. Hopefully the start of the numbers coming down has begun and we can get towards the other side and uh, everyone can stay safe. Can't be, can't be easy at all. Um, I find it hard just being at home and then work. And I, I'm not even locked down. But I'm um, thinking of everyone in Melbourne and hoping everyone stays safe. Um, we've got some masks at home now for when and if that's required and um, you should too. And if you're an anti-masker, please hit unsubscribe because I don't want you within friggin' a million miles of my life. Um, uh, I don't have any desire for you to be a listener or a follower or any form of person in my life if you're an anti-masker because that's just stupid. 
Um, thank you for listening. I'll be back next week. Um, I have a f- really cool idea. I'm going to try and get off the ground. Don't know why I said that, but just been thinking about it. It involves petrol, and uh, it's going to be fun. Uh, that's hopefully in the next few weeks. But anyway, until then, until the next episode of EFGM, um, stay well, enjoy, relax, and hit like on all the appropriate places. Talk to you next week. EFTM. This is the EFTM Podcast. EFTM Podcast.